Welcome to this episode of Off the Record, Conversations on the Creative Landscape. My name is Philip. Like, I just keep pushing and I don't take no for an answer. And I'm really good at making decisions and really fast decisions. So I think that's why it looks like my output is pretty high. Today with us on the podcast is Alex Proba. She's a graphic designer and renowned artist from Brooklyn, New York. And it's a super interesting episode for everybody who wants to understand how the artist journey actually might work out and how to go from a student in a completely different field to an internationally recognized artist. It's super interesting. Um, she's going to talk about all the products she has, about the people she's worked with, her favorite designers, uh, stuff that is annoying her, all the cool stuff you want to hear. So tune in and have fun. Welcome, everyone. Today, we have Alex Proba on the line. She is a Brooklyn-based artist, and she does a lot, a lot of cool stuff. You can see it on our Instagram and on the blog. I don't even know how to describe it. It's beautiful, shapeful illustrations with a lot of colors and uh, on a lot of different objects and materials. Welcome, Alex. Thank you for, for joining. And maybe we can already kick off with a short introduction of yourself. So, Alex is based in the United States, uh, basically Brooklyn, but now she's been living in Portland for the last year. Originally born in Germany, and also you've studied in Europe, in, in Hamburg and Eindhoven, in the Netherlands. Maybe you could, you know, tell us a little bit about your journey. Well, you did it better than I would have, so thanks. <laughs> um, <laughs> thanks for having me. Well, I well, we went to high school together. I don't know if that's important here, but which is kind of cool to like reconnect yeah, on this absolutely. Um, medium. And so um, I went to high school mostly in the Cologne area. And um, then after that, um, being like from a family of doctors, like, you know, like all I could pursue in my head and my parents wanted me to do is medicine or something scientific or just like a normal job that pays the bills, I guess, um, which I kind of did. I got into dentistry school, um, but then right when I was about to go, um, I was just like, holy shit, um, I don't want to do this. Like, how can I get out of this and what do I do? And then I was way too afraid to, um, explore art as a thing. So I picked interior architecture and graphic design, um, and found a school in Hamburg, which kind of, you know, they didn't really have like a two set, um, curriculum and you kind of could do whatever you wanted with it in a way. And it was also instead of like three and a half years, it took four years and, there was like a really long internship within it. So um, I tried to apply, did a portfolio secretly, um, which is a whole different story I can tell you, which is kind of funny. And then when I got in, uh, that's when I told my parents that I'm not going to do dentistry and I'm just going to go and do graphic design and interior architecture. And that didn't land too well. Um, I, I can imagine. Uh, with my <laughs> With my dad, mostly. My mom was just like, thank God, like, I'm so glad you're doing this. Like, I can't imagine you being a dentist. And so she at the time wasn't with my dad anymore, which helped probably to have her own opinion about it. But um, yeah, my dad wasn't too keen on it and kind of like stopped talking to me for a while. In a way, I think I used that as a fuel of like, just like proving him wrong that I'm not going to be a starving artist. And I'm going to like pay my bills and I'm going to make a good life for myself with something I really want to do. And I think that was like the biggest fuel of mm -hmm. just like finishing school and being good in it. And, um, and also with interior architecture, I'm not the best in math and logical thinking. So that was the other thing with uh, my dad, which was like, you're never gonna do it. You couldn't even do algebra basically. And I'm just like, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna figure this out. And then mm -hmm. after graduation, I think um, I did like a graduation with, Uh, one of my friends in school together, we did like a dual, I don't even know how you say it, but like a dual assignment, uh, final assignment. And we, um, we actually graduated as like best of class, which was really great. So I was just like, cool, achieved. Um, maybe my dad will understand what that it's probably a good way to do mm. that route for me, but he still didn't. And then I went to, in that time in school, I went to New York actually to work for an architect as a I don't remember, I think it was eight months or something internship in the uh, architecture studio in Tribeca. And there I actually noticed that I really don't want to do architecture because it was like 
way too slow for me. And like, there was like no instant gratification. It was a lot of just like concepting, a lot of waiting, a lot of um, endless hours just working on master plans and then nothing really happening. And you could never see like this result, obviously, because building a building or designing it and then building it and all the construction, everything takes takes a long long, time. But a lot of architects don't even get that far, right? They just like have to like Mm -hmm. submit a proposal or do a vision and master plan. And it's just like a lot of work for not much like, yeah, like I don't even want to like not celebration, but like no gratification, I guess. Um, And then I realized that pretty quickly and was like drawn more into like um, graphic design and just design um, visual design as a whole. But I still like making things and I still wanted to learn how to not just like do 2D things. So I decided to go to grad school uh, for furniture and product design in the Netherlands. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was like, my parents were like, what are you doing? Like, that doesn't make any sense. I was like, oh no, that totally makes sense. Like I, in my head, I kind of saw it all come together in the end, but I think for them being doctors, it was really hard to imagine what I'm actually doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yeah, in that time, my old boss actually from New York reached out that if I'm, when I'm done, um with school if I can come to New York again for a project and I was like sure why not that's like I have no plans like I love New York and maybe I just go for that project and see what happens and then mm-hmm. um yeah and then like 12 years later I'm still here um so that's like the short version of it mm-hmm. um but there's like a lot more to it but then you came to New York and you were still not an artist by yourself there's this prequel you know of your education and then how, how did it happen that you became like an award-winning like mentioned artist that is that is super successful well i mean let's just go back a couple steps basically um just like how i got raised like art wasn't a thing in our family and it's not i'm not blaming anyone um like i don't blame my parents i, I just have different interests right they're like super science-based and they um love to travel and they showed us the world in many ways but um, art wasn't a big thing plus they're not art educated either and they it's like hard for them to just like understand it so I didn't even know art was a thing when I was growing up like I had mm. no clue that that's something you could do and and once I went I don't know if you remember but remember when I went to Ohio for that exchange year in like mm-hmm. I think 11th grade when we were in high school and then basically in Ohio my host family um was the mom was a used to be a designer at dkny in new york in the 80s and they were like super into art and they would just like take me to every museum in cleveland and everything you could see and like the house itself was a piece of art like she just had she had like a room which was like her living room was like painted in like this weird watercolor blue thing and then Mm. she handwritten like uh, poems that she got over time from her friends and like handwriting over the walls and I was just like wow this is so cool this whole house like every room is like an art piece in a way and she was like very strong about like educating us even though for me just that year uh, she was very strong in being like you guys like this is like a path that you can go and then mm-hmm. I also ended up taking a lot of art classes in Ohio with 15 16 and then my art teacher at that time, Alan, he was like, you're good. Like, you should do something. I was like, no, it's, like, fun. It's, like, fun as a hobby. And then when I came back to Germany, I kind of, like, started painting and doing all these things that I never did. And my parents were like, hmm, okay, like, newfound hobby, fine. Like, hmm. whatever, right? Like, at least she's, like, keeping herself busy. Uh, and then, weirdly, like, in the town I'm from, it's, like, super tiny town called Lüdenscheid. And they, it's, like, you know, the, the perfume store Douglas. Mm-hmm. They... <laughs> They asked me if they could have some of the paintings when I was like 16 uh, in for their windows. And I was like, oh, wow, that's so cool. Nice. I mean, looking back at the paintings, they're like, yeah, like they're horrible, obviously. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> but, thank you um, for supporting this kid. <laughs> yeah, but it was like really nice. And I was just like, okay, cool. And then my mom hung like a bunch of them in her office, which she still has. And I'm asking her like almost every day to put them down because they're just kind of embarrassing at this point. But she's like, nope, like they might be worth something. I'm like, okay. Um, so that was kind of the start of it where I was just like, okay, there's something and I, I'm i really enjoying this. So um, what I mentioned before with the, the portfolio part that I did secretly, so I knew I couldn't do it at home 
because my parents would be like, what are you doing? Like, this looks like not like dentistry. Like, you know, mm -hmm. they would totally have known what I'm doing. And um, so I asked them if I could go before starting dentistry, if I could go to Ohio to visit um, my basically my host sister, Alexa, and Garen, my host brother, because we were pretty close at that point. And then my parents was like, mm, okay, sure, if they're fine with it, you can go. But both of them were in college. None of them were home. It was just the mom. And so she knew about my plan. So she like literally helped me to bust out that portfolio in two weeks um, nice. and just drove me around Ohio to what a all the art stores. And yeah, like amazing support. And then, um, and then she, we did it. And then I um, actually didn't feel like when I got back, I kind of like got cold feet and, um, and I was like, okay, no, I'm just going to do dentistry. My dad is right. Like, this is never going to happen. And so my um, boyfriend, obviously, at the time, you know, high school boyfriend or like mm. whatever you want to call it, he actually dropped off my portfolio in the uh, like Deutsche Post, basically, without really me knowing. And when I got the letter to be like invited for an interview, I was like, wait, how am I invited? Like, I didn't even send it. He did it. So I have like a lot of people that kind of like believe in me more than wow. I did at that that's, time. That's, and um, I must say this is a really cute thing to do. Yeah, it's amazing. I mean, I'm still friends with him. Like he, mm. he just had a baby and we still talk and it's like literally like 20 years ago, right? Or even longer mm. um, that I know him for. And same with my family from Ohio. I still, I'm still in very good contact with them and talk to, like I just talked to Alexa like two days ago and she's going to oh, actually okay. write write all the text for my new websites and she's a bright art writer so like every like we're really close and it's been like so long ago but they've mm -hmm. been like such a big part of my life and like where i am today and i'm not saying my parents weren't it's like there were a different support right um maybe maybe your so, parents just just you know taught you other things you know i i expect them. yeah totally. I mean, the way i got to know you in school you know you were always super disciplined super hardworking. i think this is also a gift you know your parents were able, you know, to, to, to give you, right? Oh, yeah. And I, I, like now looking back, you know, with 35, I'm like, maybe that was a good thing that did that. Obviously, he didn't think that way. But for me, it was mm -hmm. like, maybe it was a good way because I would have never pushed that hard to, like, become what I am now mm -hmm. if it wasn't him, right? If he would mm -hmm. have been like, yes, honey, just do it. Like, you'd be great. I probably would have tried less hard, I guess. Mm -hmm. um, but I really wanted to prove it to him that... Um, I can do it and that keep me like going and like, you know, in like a city like New York with like a lot of competition, a lot of creatives, um, a lot of like expensive apartments and everything like it just, and I never wanted to ask them for money. Like that was like out of the picture uh, just because I wanted to never be like, Hey, you're right. Like I can't pay rent. Can you pay my rent kind of thing? And so I would ask my really, my best friend, Laura, I would, she's still in New York, but I was ask her for, like $300 to pay my rent and pay her back because in the beginning I didn't have the money obviously to mm. make it work. And she, I met her at the architecture office and she, um, I think she's like five years older than me. So she kind of was like more settled already. Like she was an architect and she kind of had a better income than me in the beginning. So she didn't mind helping me, mm. but there was like no way I could like call up my dad and be like, Hey, um, well, can money. you help me? You know? Yeah. So, um, they probably don't even know that part that I that she paid for some of my rent sometimes. I mean, I always paid her back. Maybe, but, maybe they're um, going to find out if they listen to this podcast. Maybe, but yeah. the English is not really good. Okay. <laughs> so <laughs> lucky. So, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So basically your question was about like how I became an artist and like, I still think I'm an artist and designer and I, know a lot of people don't see that line blurred but I think it's like a very blurry line of who you are and I'm totally graphic design or design trained and then the art just happened like I did not plan on it and um, it just everything every step I took I think just happened without me thinking about it I now get a lot of like mentor calls or like old co-workers or old student like um, interns and students um, calling me to like for for um, mentorship or even just like to answer questions um what to do and what the business plan is and I was like I don't have a business plan I never really knew what I'm doing I just like went for it and kind of like every day was a new day and whatever happens happens and so it's really hard for me to like give them 
like the best advice to how become you know a successful artist or a designer or something but what I always tell them is like you know you got to fail um, and failing is probably the best thing you can do because when you fail and you don't succeed in something that's like when you like pivot and like change and learn mm. from it and you like kind of like pick another route or redo it or whatever it is and um, I think that's kind of what I was doing and I had no clue what I was doing and then from being in architecture and doing that project for my old architecture boss um, I actually realized I, realized I want to stay in New York and that's the place where I want to be and it's like my favorite place on earth I think and and so I tried to apply for like um, graphic design jobs even though I never worked in graphic design because you know straight out of school and stuff so um, again, my, um, host sister, Alexa, um, she had a friend that run, like started this business called General Assembly back in the day. Now, I guess it's been a while. Um, and she sent him my portfolio and he just sent their creative director, my portfolio. And then it all came together and they hired me to be like on their brand team. And that was kind of my first like role in like graphic design. And I, I, I was working with Mimi, who was like an amazing, amazing person and, creative and everything so she is probably my mentor I would say like if I needed help with anything like I would go to her and so she kind of um you know took me like I was the only brand designer with her and the company was like really fast growing like when I started we were still like a co-working space and then it turned mm -hmm. into uh, a school because one morning one of the founders walked in and he was like how about we just become like a school. We we just use classrooms instead of like co-working spaces uh, and things like that. So we had to pivot and like create the whole brand, like recreate the brand in the same way. But mm. for being like a school, uh, like a new kind of school t teaching like digital marketing or coding or whatever it is, if you want to switch careers. And I think, I mean, they they since then got IP, like IPO'd and got sold and everything. But um, I was there for a while. And um, while I was there... I was kind of already feeling like not bored, but like if you just work with one brand every single day, you kind of as a creative or as me, I guess, as the creative I am, you get bored. Mm. Um, and I was trying to like find something else. And it's hard because you have like a visa and you can't just leave and do your own thing. It's like really limited what you can actually do um, in the US when you're, you know, when you're not, when you're by yourself, I guess. So I had to stick around obviously for my visa and everything and um Mimi actually left at some point and then when she left I was like okay well I don't really want to be here either just because like she was she was the one why I was there kind of thing and then mm -hmm. um I tried to find another job and I got another job at Kickstarter which again is like graphic on the brand side and we tried to like redesign Kickstarter at that time and um but again you within a brand every single day which is not a bad thing but for me it was just like not the right thing and mm. um and so at that time I I think right at the end of General Assembly I started this project that you know the poster day one which is a poster day like how it sounds but um I didn't plan that one either I had like 20 Instagram followers I think maybe for for everybody who's listening so a poster day basically means every day you would sit down like 30 minutes and you would just mm -hmm. illustrate a poster and you would post it on Instagram and people could ask questions. No, that was that was the second year. Oh, was oh that was later. Okay. So uh, every day you would sit down about half an hour and just illustrate a poster. Yeah, so the idea was basically at that time um, when I started it to just do a poster every day just to do something else than work and just, mm -hmm. you know, just lose like also the fear of like sharing something online because a mm -hmm. lot of people you know I can make a poster and then I don't like it and I can spend 20 hours on it and I still don't like it so I think I was trying to lose that fear so I started told my friends 20 Instagram followers at the time I'm gonna do this poster day thing for like 100 days or something and they were like yeah right okay cool whatever right no one really really cared um but I think I just needed to post it to like make myself like hold myself accountable and then what I realized that I could only do it after work, which was nighttime. Um, so I did it at nighttime and realized that every poster kind of was like the summary of my day, almost like a visual diary thing. And that's when I kind of like started enjoying it. I was like, oh, it's not even just like a, like going running, right, for health reasons. Actually, mm -hmm. I like it. And at some point, I think you like running when you're good in it and all these things. But like, it wasn't like a chore. It was actually something I liked. And then it was mm -hmm. cool to look back at them 
and seeing like the days and I didn't have my style defined. I didn't know who I am as a designer or artist at all. And so I just did whatever I felt in those 30 minutes that I set myself because I knew if I do it longer or tell me like there's no end, I will never like post anything because if there's like no hard ending, like it's really hard to do something. And then, um, so I did that for a while. And, and even when I was like coming from a party, like I had too much wine to drink. Like I still posted it sometimes in blurry and people slowly started following it and would be like, wait, where were you? Were you drunk? Like, this is so blurry. I can't see anything. I'm like, oh, oops. Yeah, sure. <laughs> but I left it, right? I just left the blurry ones too or like the ones that were wrong because I just wanted to lose the fear of like sharing designs or mm -hmm. anything, art. And then basically on like day, I don't know, even like 80 or something, blogs started picking up and like writing about it. And then I was like, oh God, like I can't just do it. 100 days now because people are writing about it let's and then like I was kind of building an audience without even planning it and then you know the first year went by and I don't remember how many followers I had at that point but um it was like quite significantly more than 20 and um I then decided to like you know continue a second year and the second year was about you basically where you submitted stories and um you could tell me whatever you wanted like I didn't tell people what to submit just like tell me about you or your story or whatever you want to tell me and that was the second year which in my head would have been like stories that are funny or happy but because my work is very happy and you know mm -hmm. vibrant and it's not really um meant to make you sad so um but most of the stories maybe 80 percent, were super sad from wow you know I from cancer to yeah like crazy from like cancers to rape to a soul to everything and I was just like oh my why do you think people people especially share those kind of stories uh, I did it anonymous so people could tell me anonymously what they wanted to and no one really would know other than me who they are um, mm -hmm. so I think a lot of people probably had a bad experience in life and wanted something positive to get out of it that was like my only explanation like mm -hmm. kind of like a like in like a therapy almost like you know you like get something good out of the bad in a way and mm. it was a really hard time for me because I couldn't for the longest time I couldn't accept it I was like man like what do I do do I go to the police do I report this like mm. I don't even know what to do right because sometimes I obviously had all the connecting parts like you know like mm. they would tell me names or relationships who would like and I would be like oh god like what do I do and then I mm. decided obviously not to do anything other than them telling me the story and then making something yeah making something nice for them and so I can this and um but yeah it was like it was very surprising that it was mostly sad stories um but I kind of used it as my therapy as well I think that year I was just like oh my god my life is great like I have no problem like you know you just like put it yeah. into perspective if you get flooded with like Bad stuff. Uh, stories of that that are real stories um, every day from people and I was just like oh god so like the third year then I did hours which was a conversation so people asked me questions which I then um, answered visually uh, that one was the hardest probably just because like the information was like just the question sometimes was not you know it was just like what did you have for breakfast like yeah well okay um, you know so like sometimes mm. there were the questions were harder than like like stories or even my diary and then the fourth year which was the election year the election year hillary and trump um i did hers which is like ask people to tell me stories about women that like influence their lives in like a positive or negative or whatever way um or like stories like that inspire them and women just like to celebrate women in a way and so i did that and then I have like done I think I think 1460 posters and to be done just because like I felt like I needed an end and then I felt like the audience maybe needed an end in a way too and at that point I already had like an open door to whatever I do kind of people would watch so mm -hmm. I wouldn't only post posters I would already like you know post other things from just like furniture collaborations at the time or you know other things that are like I did some like collaborations with like clothing brands and so I would already trickle in other stuff on my Instagram. Mm -hmm. Again, not planned, but I already had the door that was open to me from mm -hmm. all the followers because of that project. Yeah. And um, I think it's actually good that you ended it because that's that's kind of how you build the legacy. The legacy is only there when it, you know the real thing is not existing anymore. 
So I think a lot of people might want to, you know, get it back and want to see this poster a day because for me, I've been following it from the very early days. And for me, it was always like super nice to see every day something that was inspiring and that was beautiful. Um, and I was sad to, to see it go, you know. But then again, you know, this is how the story is created. And this is, you know, how the legacy is built from that project. Yeah, totally. And it was just like also like another thing that I was like worried about is like, what's the next one? Like if mm. I did hers, I would have to do like a hymns or something, mm. which I didn't want to do. Obviously not with the outcome of the election. I was like, yes. there's no way I'm doing this, you know. Um, so I think it was just like a good ending point for me. And and I think, um, you know, at that and then also it's like uh, the beginning, it was like 30. The first year was 30 minutes. But then all the other years became way more involved because I had to read the emails in the morning, think about which story I want to do uh, all day long about like, you know, images in my head, what I could mm. do with that story. And then I would do it at night. So it was like a way more. Uh, you know, time-consuming project at, after year um, year one because it didn't involve me anymore. It involved all the others, right? Mm -hmm. So at that point, I switched from Kickstarter to Mother Mother Design, which is an agency based in New York and in London and in Buenos Aires. And I was a design director, just like working on like big clients from like Target to AIGA and Oscar Held, like a lot of like juggling to do. And then I was just like, mm -hmm. okay, I can't possibly. <laughs> do all of that and like do all of it right plus I had already other projects um you know like I mentioned before furniture collaborations with like Bauer and um exhibitions and all these things coming up so I was just like okay it's like a good time for the next kind of chapter mm -hmm. it's great to hear that you think that was a good idea to stop but yeah I mean not <laughs> I because don't miss obviously it. not because the project was nice you know but because I just think once you end something you know it's just like the the famous artists you know once once they get out of business for whatever reason you know they become bigger in our in our minds I think you know or maybe I should just shut down completely Yeah well <laughs> I, I don't know <laughs> not sure about that but uh yeah okay so um so what I understand you you worked your you worked along your your day job to become mm -hmm to build a profile of yourself as an artist, you know, and then at some yes. point, I know you, you, um, uh, you also worked for Nike and, um, and, um, you were an, an art director there. And at some point you said, okay, you're gonna, you know, gonna do this full time. What fueled this decision? So it was a little, like almost, you got it almost, but I was okay, at almost. mother and then at mother, I decided because I had my green card that I self-sponsored through my studio. I got it in during the time of Kickstarter, actually, but I never had the balls to just like leave and do my own thing. I was just way too scared. And so at Mother, I think it's when it started to like start where I was just like, okay, now or never kind of thing. So I decided to leave Mother um, and went solo on on my own uh, doing my uh, studio proba business. And, and then I think I was like, four months doing it and everything was going pretty well um that's when nike came along and they were just like hey uh we have a job for you and i was like no no i'm good i just quit my job i'm i'm totally fine so i actually told the recruiter like that i i'm not interested in this and even though nike was like my dream job like if i would have thought about it or like like i always wanted to work for them but it was the work like wrong timing for me i think and then i was just like Nah, like I gotta do this. I gotta do Studio Pro. I have to keep doing it. But then Nike also didn't let go, and they're like, "No, like this is a great job opportunity." And it was, it was amazing what they wanted to do and what we did. And I think so. I was just like talking to my parents and my mom, and she was like, "Come on, just do it. Just, just try it. Why not? You know, you can always go back to doing Studio Pro." And I was like, mm, "I don't know if I can, but let's see." Mm -hmm. So I actually um, ended up taking the job, um, which was like helping them to build out the New York design studio, which they don't have because all the creative is out of Portland. Mm -hmm. um, and then obviously out of like some cities like Amsterdam, if it's the European market. But um, they didn't, they wanted to build out little hubs in like their big markets and territories like New York, Singapore, mm -hmm. um, Tokyo and stuff and build small creative teams. So me and another guy, um, Thomas um, were the two that got hired for that job and we kind of like tried to build out a team and um, so plus doing all the Nike project that touched our territory like the East Coast or New York so mm -hmm. any activation for from like off-white to you know like um, 
a basketball court in like the, in Harlem or whatever mm. it would be, uh, just touched us and us meeting at that time was just me and Thomas, which was hard because we tried to like get all the work done, but then also hire a team and like it, it was just like it was a lot and it was great and um, but we started flying around a lot to Portland for projects as well because our creative director at the time was in, based in Portland and so we had to go back and forth a lot. Um, mm-hmm. So on one of the projects I actually met my now partner Ian and um, he and I did a project that for I think it lasted for like a year almost a project or something like that or like 10 months it was a long project but um so we met uh, on that project here in Portland and he's based in Portland and he runs his own agency and um so basically when I went back to New York he was like the person I had to talk almost every day about um that project just because it was a very new technology that we were using and he was like building the new technology um and I had to like apply the art or the designs to his technology and you know so we were probably talking like five times a day for like months and that's kind of how we met and then when we started dating I was kind of like no like I can't do this I can't have a studio Nike and a long distance relationship this is not going to work like this is crazy um so I was kind of hesitant about everything and then obviously how life goes like you just you know at some point you're like oh whatever like it's going to work out you can do all three things so for a year, I think I was doing all three things and I was getting burned down because one of us would fly on weekends um, to like see each other for just a weekend because we both had jobs and like not all the freedom we could have. And a flight to from New York to Portland is six hours. So it's like as if mm. I'm going home to see my family to Germany. Every weekend. Um, like every second weekend at least. Like, that's, that's nuts. It was nuts. So um, one of us, right? So one of us. So it was like shifting, but honesty was just like we would hang out on like a Saturday and then the next day someone would fly again because it's like time change plus the long flight and then obviously not cheap either like a flight Mm. is maybe like $500 it's not cheap Mm. so we were doing that for like I think a year or something and then I was just like okay I gotta like reconfigure my life right now I can't do all this and then I was like kind of like put in this um, decision of like Nike Studio Proba relationship and I think for the first time in my whole life I didn't choose career I chose like chose life and then basically I chose to leave Nike not because like I loved the company and I love working there um so not because of them I chose Studio Proba and Ian like over them and that was kind Mm -hmm. of like a first decision that I ever made like that wasn't career-based I was freaking out about it but um but then once I left Nike or right before I was leaving I got an email from Dropbox and they were like, hey, we have this giant wall. Can you paint it? And I was like, oh, my God, awesome, cool. I'll be there like next week if that works, right? So like it all kind of fell together. And um, I did the first um, Dropbox mural in New York for the headquarters in New York while I was still at Mother. And then I didn't do much of murals for a while just because I didn't have the time to travel with jobs. Mm. And, And so when that came right in the time when I was leaving, uh, I was like, okay, that's a good start of like, you know, going solo kind of thing. And then um, I flew to San Francisco to paint that mural. And then I went to Portland and I hung out a little bit here with uh, my boyfriend. And we just kind of figured out life um, in a way. And so, yeah, so I've been, and then everything kind of kept falling together and project kept happening. And, um, you know, from murals on just the wall, I kind of like, pushed myself and doing it on other objects just because of my background in furniture and like I don't think I prefer doing like the unexpected over the expected kind of thing and um you know and then I just like would build out my my home business a little bit more too with my textiles and all that stuff that was that I was already doing next to my full-time jobs but I just Mm -hmm. like kind of like dived fully in and just started doing my own thing and that's been now I think three years or something like that um or maybe a little longer I can't I don't even know because of last year COVID um but yeah it's been a while and it's been going really good and I'm like very thankful about that wow what an introduction (laughs) (laughs) it's like 30 minutes uh but I think yeah I mean I was I was like man I'm the host you know I gotta say something I gotta gotta host this podcast but it was so you know it was so cool listening just to all of this you know, um, it's super inspiring, uh, the story. 
Um, and I've Thanks. obviously I have a, a lot of questions. You know, I, I've prepared, you know, like this typical host list of questions, everything. But I just want to like connect right to the piece when you when you said like he started doing all of these other objects. So you do you know textiles, rugs, and and pillows, and and but you also do like basketball courts, ping pong tables, op objects. I don't know what to call them. Like a lot of different type of stuff. And I know you also sell them. How do how do you make that step from creating to becoming like a commercially successful person? I mean, it was just, again, it was kind of like the next, that was like right after poster day. Um, I, I didn't want to let them like die in the archives of the internet or, you know, I just kind of was like, okay, there's a lot of them that I like and there's a lot of them that I don't like, but like the ones that I like, I kind of wanted to bring them to life. And, um, one logical thing was the rugs. So I started, um, uh, you know, first I did a, like collaboration with another rug maker in Brooklyn to just like understand, you know, everything I guess about it. And that one went really well. And we got featured in the New York times where I was just like, Oh my God, like what? Like, and then we um, the, got exhibited at the Cooper Hewitt, um, which is like a museum in hmm. um, New York. And, and that was just like my first like rug collection that I ever did. And I was like, okay, well, they seems to be going well. Maybe That's I just like, well. <laughs> maybe I repurposed some of my already like done graphics, like the poster day ones that were like popular and tried to translate them into rugs. And I think that was like the second step. And then I just like started selling them on just like, you know, my Squarespace website. I just like put everything on there and just did all the rugs made to order. I didn't, I don't have an inventory of them they more to like they're all made to order and are supposed to be like art pieces rather than just like a mass mm -hmm. production. So that was like a conscious decision just because like I don't have a warehouse. I don't want a warehouse of things. Um and I don't want to like get into like Warehousing. the distribution thing and uh and then it just like that site was like slowly building out and then my art site was slowly building out and and I'm the person that if I want something like I I'm always trying to get it like I really wanted to paint a pool. Like I, that was like my dream job is like paint a pool. And so um, I basically just make a, made a render of a pool that looked pretty real of being a mm. pool. And then that's how, and I was like, I want a pool basically, you know, and then mm. someone, and then I got contacted um, by this architecture company. They were like, Hey, we have a pool. And I was like, Oh my God. Awesome. You know, like, so I think if I want something, I just like always try to do it. And also with my pillow set up, I guess a year old now, but um, they're different than other pillows. They like made like my rugs and um, they're all handmade, all hand woven. And I think one takes like two weeks to make. And um, that's another thing where that I want, I just didn't want to do the, you know, the mass again. Like I didn't want to just have printed pillow covers. I wanted mm. them to be like my work and dimensional and um, my weavers. Um, I, when I first told them what I want, they're like, there's no way we can't do that. And I was like, no, 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 you can believe me it's possible hmm. you know and they're like okay well we can try and then they tried and it worked out really well but I think I'm the person that if people tell me like no I'm just like no 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 this is gonna work like believe me you know and then they often like try it and I'm working on a project right now that I keep getting like no's from everyone I was like it can't be that hard and then I accidentally emailed I think the same company I emailed manufacturer that I emailed before and they were like man you really want those I was like yes And they're like, okay, let's try, right? So I think, um, like, I just keep pushing and I don't take no for an answer. And I'm really good at making decisions and really fast decisions. So I think that's why it looks like my output is pretty high. But mm. but everything I design, everything I make, everything I ship is, like, all done by me. Like, I pack every single order for the pillows and ah, okay. I box it up and I bring it to the post office. And, like, now I organize actually pickups because of COVID. But, yeah, like... It's all like still my production, and I think people think that I'm a studio of ten or sometimes, you know, like yeah. They, I, w I wanted to. Add, this is also one of my questions. I wanted to know, like, yeah. do you have like do you have employees? No, I don't really. I I 
use assistance for murals. So I, um, because painting um, a large scale mural, like it's better to have more people. It's more fun, but it's also like faster, obviously, than hmm. me being like two weeks just painting. Because in that time, when I paint, there's nothing else I can do. I barely can like reply to emails. So um, like now I use assistance, and at this point, I after so many murals and projects, I have my little like um, raster of uh, assistants that I trust and that know how to paint my work. And um, Do you give them like a, a sketch of what you want to do and they just paint based on the sketch or do you... So I'm always there to do it, right? So this year was the only first time that I wasn't part of one mural just because of COVID. But um, yeah, it's like normally... I'm there. They're just like listening to what I tell them what to paint or what to do. I sketch it out. They don't sketch it out. And, um, but a lot of people like my work is like very clean, I guess, like the shapes and the murals are very like clean and I mm. do, and the edges are clean, but I don't use tape. I just, it's all freehand. And a lot of people or designers or artists like ha have trouble doing that style because their style is very different. So it took me a while to like even find the right people that can work with me and want to work in that style because it's uh, not the fact, it's like a very like slow process. Like you can't mm. just, like sometimes they would come like, yeah, I can paint. And then it would just put a lot of paint on. I was like, no, 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 this needs four layers and not just one, you know, like mm. just because of how the technique works. And so now at this point, after so many murals, I have really solid people and they're like really trustworthy and great. And I have them like in multiple cities at this point. And um, so basically they work with me contract to base, meaning like whenever I have a project and they, I need someone like, I'm painting two murals in uh, February. Actually, I'm driving down to California, doing a whole road trip. But the first one, I'm paint I'm painting with my assistant from she's here in Portland, and then um, one assistant that I painted many murals with. Even the second one in um, mm -hmm. San Francisco, she's in LA, and she's gonna drive up to to San Jose actually for the, that mural. And then we're gonna keep driving down to like Palm Springs, and I'm painting another mural. So. Um, so they like kind of like my team, but they not full time hires or anything. They're just okay. contract based. And then I have like a couple designers. One is actually, I guess one, she's based in Paris that every now and then she like freelances for me, but she's, um, she's like knows my work pretty well. And like, if I have a lot of tasks that I have to get done or just like ideation stuff for projects, um, like, you know, like she, the design projects, I guess she can do. Or help me with but um like designing my murals designing my art and there's like no other person that can do it than me so i couldn't even hire for that right so mm -hmm. yeah so i think i work mostly just like with teams like that and then this last year actually i did went back to branding again even though people forget about that part of my life but i um did like a shampoo branding for harry's which is a company out of new york and that was like a big project. So I hired out like a team of five people, right? Mm. Like just for that project. Um, but so that's kind of how my, like how I work. But then if it's like answering to press or answering orders or complaints about something not arriving or being that's broken, all that's all, all me. Yeah. Wow. Wow. I can, I can see you have a, you have a busy day. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Which is good. I guess. <laughs> how, lo how long does it take? to paint such a mural uh it depends like it depends always on a the lot size, of factors obviously. actually from the size is one but then the other one is like the texture of the wall like sometimes if it's like a um stucco or like a weird concrete texture it's like the first few layers that you paint like the wall kind of like eats up like it like sucks it in kind of thing so you that makes you take it like even more layers and it takes a long time but With a team of like two or three, it's probably always between like a week to two weeks. Wow. Um, and then we paint from, my paint schedule is a little crazy too. It's like we paint from eight till eight and sometimes longer. Wow. And then they just get like <laughs> lunch breaks. So it's, wow, it's kind uh, of. Yeah, it sounds pretty ambitious. Yeah, but I just can't like do more because the time I spend in every like wall, like that I lose time on other things and mm. I it's hard to like, you know, um, sometimes I get a mural request for the same week and I have mm. to decide between one. And because when I say like, I can send an assistant, they're like, no, 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 no. Like we I don't want, want and yeah. So, and which makes sense because if you buy a painting, you don't want it painted by someone else. Right. Like 
Um, so they see it as like that, the same equivalent to art and they're purchasing art that is on location, but they want the artist there. But COVID changed everything a little bit because last year I managed to pose, uh, I mean, paint two murals without me being there. So, mm. But this is, I mean, at the end, it shows you that you're considered more an artist than a designer, right? Depends on the project. I mean, for that part, yes, but then... For the brand project, I'm definitely a designer. And then if I design tables um, or tables or collections like furniture, I'm more a designer. But then I often paint them again, which makes it an artist. So I think, I think I'm in this weird in-between way kind mm -hmm. of thing. Why do I mean, you've talked about the rugs and, you know, all the products you ship. And we've also talked about the murals. Why, why do you, I mean, I guess it's mostly like business customers, you know, that want the murals, right? No, it's private, it's business, it's um, anyone actually. Okay. But if it's businesses, why do they do it? Do they do it for, for marketing or is it usually like showrooms or hotels? Or? Um, if it's businesses, it's often like companies, like their offices to make them like more, I guess, fun and friendly when clients come or even for the people that work there. Then there's restaurants that have like a concept and they want to bring in like a mural that works in that concept or you know hotel lobbies and things like that so I think it's always like the mural became like back in I think at the beginning when I was started painting my murals I did some outside also like in Chinatown and you know like New York and my mm. dad would be like why are you standing on the street painting a wall like what what happened to you, you right <laughs> and I would be like and I was just like no this is great like murals are, so like I think what murals or street I used to be has completely shifted to um, because what my parents know is like, you know, like you graffiti something quickly and it's not commissioned and it's mostly mm. not legal or whatever, but mine were all obviously commissioned pieces. And, um, I think people just like, like how it transforms like a space into, you know, something else. And, um, they prefer it at this point, I think overhanging art, I guess. Um, and it kind of became this trendy thing almost. I feel like at least in the in the United States, like, um, it's definitely a thing. Mm. But I paint outside of it, too. Like, I, I have a couple now in Colombia, which I think it just changed, shifted a little bit that it, it's accepted as, like, a form of art and not just, like, something illegal, I guess. Mm -hmm. prices for all of your products on the website but what does it cost me as a business to have a, a mural painted by you ah uh, that's an interesting question <laughs> example you know if i would ask you you know for our company cherry deck we have a, a, a 10 people office and we have a, a wall about the size of a, a quarter of a tennis court how, how how much would i have to pay for that so i would first ask you all these questions of like okay give me the measurements what's the wall made out of the mm. texture all these things then i would make you an estimate being like first phase of that is like design development which is actually me designing specifically for that space making art for that mocking it up into space in a render or uh, what elevation view then having that as like phase one and that's like design that's like my day rate mm -hmm. basically by design day rate and then mm. The next phase is like the execution at site. So actually meaning me coming to your office, doing the work. And that's my day rate. How many days I estimate. Let's say I say like 10 days. You would have to pay my day rate of 10 days mm -hmm. um, for painting. And painting and design is a different. And then obviously material costs and all these things would fall on the client as well. So like paint and all these things. And um, also because you're in Germany, you would probably have to like, Pay, pay my tickets and yeah, my, my hotel room, right? But that's like my model, and um, I. Do, do you have like a like a pricing for your artist footprint? What does that mean? I mean, you have the day rates, you know, which mm -hmm. is like basically based on the days. But after all, it's it's kind of like a piece of art, mm -hmm. and you would expect, or I would expect, that I that I don't pay by the day rate, that I pay, you know, for the artist. At the end of the day. Yeah, so yeah. that's an interesting one with murals. You would think that that's how it works. Most of the people that I know that do murals 
they charge by square foot, which I think is crazy because, uh, or square meter, because I think that makes you be like a contractor in the Mm -hmm. way of like how you paint a wall white, right? Like, Mm -hmm. um, because they charge that way. And that makes sense because they, all they do is like paint, not that it's not hard. I'm just saying that they don't put their art on it, right? They just like paint it white or green or whatever color they want. And they uh, charge per square meter, square foot. And that makes sense. But a lot of clients email me and and are like, hey, what's your square foot price? I was like, I don't have a square foot Mm -hmm. Like, because I don't like agree with that model. So like the only way to get the value out that I need from it is making it with that model model that I described. And that one kind of like doing that model secures me the money that I actually need for myself to be of value, I guess, for it. And Mm -hmm. also be considered still like, okay, cool. It's an art piece and it's not just like nothing. And I, I mean, I started painting murals for free because I didn't have any I need to show so how will i get hired if mm. i don't have a portfolio of murals yeah, of right? course so, i mean it's how most artists kind of start right yeah so i did like a couple of, i was like i really want them so i'm i'm just paid and paint and i do it you know kind of thing and obviously now it's like a very different like time for me and also like i wouldn't paint for every business like i make decisions on does it work with me and my brand? Like, is this something I support? Ethically, I wouldn't paint for everyone, if that makes sense. You mean, like, not for every company? Yes, like, or... Well, who, who wouldn't you paint for? Yeah. I mean, companies that I don't believe in. I think, um, you know, like, either that, like, that I just don't believe the mission, let's say they just, like, using terrible materials that are bad for the environment or whatever it is, right? Mm. Like, companies like that, or just companies that are too commercial for me, I guess, like, um, that I don't want my work to be. Like, I have to always think about what is Studio Pro and what is my work. So I actually don't, I know a lot of people would love to be in, like, a Starbucks or something. I would not paint for Starbucks. Like, mm-hmm. you know, just because that's the level of commercial there is, like, high, too high for me that I don't like my work to be in, if that makes sense. But, so, I understand, I think I understand, but commercial you don't mean by the size of the business because obviously if you paint for dropbox it's it's, it's something yeah. different so you mm-hmm. mean like the the level of commercial automation that or how, yeah. can, how can i say like fr- like franchises almost yeah and yeah, yeah like 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 mcdonald's let's say, let's say mcdonald's, McDonald's. Right? Yeah. i'm i might do mcdonald's i kind of think that would be fun but when i think about it as a like as a brand, right? Like I need mm. to like align with if I agree with the mission or what they do. Do would I actually buy it? not Dropbox as per se, but let's say it's like a cosmetic company. Like then, mm. do I agree with their brand? Like is their logo something I like? <laughs> like it's like little decisions like that that I want my like I don't want my brand to be connected to something that I don't like or don't agree with. I guess. Okay. Yeah, I understand that perfectly. Um, I think it's it's something a lot of artists do when they're a little bit more mature, when they, when they have the the freedom of deciding, you know, who to, who to work for, when they're financially independent. Yeah. yeah. Topic, mm-hmm. uh, which is the topic of copyright infringement. So you're a you're an artist with, you know, hundreds of thousands of followers. You have a high output, so you have a very clear and distinctive style. You know, you've been mentioned in, in a lot of newspapers, like from Vogue to New York Times and Harper's Bazaar. So all the big big names. Do you see a lot of people like copying your work? Uh, I mean, I'm, I don't mean privately, but for, for commercial purposes. Yeah. Um, yes. Uh, and that's been like a thing ever since already the posters, I think, started. Like there were companies that would just literally just sometimes even just take the poster from the website and just like print it on iPhone cases and stuff. And there's like one company in the Ukraine that just kept doing that. And then at that time, I didn't really have much like there's not much you can do and they just like blocked me and then I kind of was like okay whatever I have to see past this and there's a lot of a lot of ones like you know I had like anthropology make a rug like maybe 
80 90 percent similar to mine mm. and they just like tweak like two things that they make different um so there's a lot of that and i think we all struggling like all designers and artists are currently struggling with that because a you put it out there on instagram which is like you know everyone can see it uh, which is great because that's how we get work and how we sell things too and then you have the other side of it which is like you know people just copying and pretending it's their own or whatever they want and i think it's a tough one because like a lot of my stuff is registered now so like i uh, would never go after like uh just like a, and you you know you feel like painting my painting at your house like i would never mm. go after you um but yeah, that's more like, like an like an honor you know or not not, uh, not because of me you know but like a you know that somebody wants to do wants to yeah. you know gets inspired by you and they, they you know they don't yeah. don't want to sell it yeah and i'm all about getting inspired i think i'm just like the i'm get really weird when it's like one-to-one but if it's like a big con- like company you know like i at this point like have a lot of my stuff registered which i could go after someone like uh you know anthropology if i wanted to just because now i have like the leverage i didn't used to have it and i think what i learned through the time and like all these years doing it i think you just kind of have to if you see something on instagram that is like not a real like a small business or whatever it is you kind of have to just be like okay whatever forget about it just keep creating new things and like kind of being like ahead of the curve and just like trying to see it as a compliment or knowing that whoever just like copies they probably can't really do it on their own or like come up with something new on their own so like that's like the only thing I can like tell myself is like okay cool move on Um, next thing like um, just keep going kind of thing I honestly don't really want to know what's out there in like other countries that I have no idea you know like let's say China is very fast Mm -hmm. and just like producing the new nike shoe like i'm sure they're really fast in producing a pillow of mine if they wanted Mm -hmm. to so i think i'm just trying to like ignore it as much as i can until like something like big big happens and i then have to go after which i haven't done yet but i talked to a lawyer last year a lot and he like set me up for like all these things that i could technically go after someone if i needed to Mm. okay that's good to know i think you're probably doing it the right way you know at the end of the day, what you do, obviously you, you do it, you know, because it's your job, but also, you know, you pull such so much positive energy out of your work. You know, what you do, there's the creations you have, you know, they're really inspiring, I guess, also for yourself, you know, the accomplishment of finishing something. I, I guess if you would follow like all the copyright issues all the time, you it would just put you down, especially if you don't have mm-hmm. a, a team to do that. anything else you know you want to you want to talk about so i mean i have thousands of questions obviously ask another question okay so who's mm-hmm. your your biggest inspiration that's a long answer you're ready for it yes <laughs> well it's it's i get asked that question a lot just like who inspires you and what inspires your work and i think i try to not be inspired by too much like let's say you know instagram pinterest like you can find so much trends and the new in color or whatever so obviously i like my brain sees it but I try to not be inspired by it in like a direct way so when I create or I design a mural or I design a painting I just literally just start doing it without looking at things and without a concept really and often when I can't do that I will either call my grandma which has been like the only like creative person in my family she used to be a florist back in the day and she taught me how to cook and like do all those like gardening creative things that I can imagine as like a kid and she will be the one that you know that how talking to her will um totally help me or just like being outside in the world because a lot of my work is inspired I guess um from nature and like patterns from like the everyday and that was in the poster day same thing was just like the inspiration came from my days and so I think I still keep doing that momentum of using that as inspiration and um a lot of people ask me like if there's one artist that I really like or something and I think her work is very different than mine which is great so um it was it's fate to good uh she's a London-based furniture and space and 
clothing designer and I love her work and I think if I ever could work with her that would be amazing but again um, very different type of work and uh, so yeah I think the everyday is maybe my answer for your question okay nice it's a I think it's a good closing statement I'm gonna officially say thank you thank you it was really great listening to you I think we could talk at least I could listen for for at mm. least two more hours just two or maybe five or, or <laughs> ten you know I could listen the whole day all day long it was it was very very interesting um Everybody who, who has been listening to this now, we have another episode with Alex, which is much shorter, which is more like a, a directed, yeah, people who want to learn about, uh, you know, tips and tricks and, and, and opinions uh, on certain topics from Alex, uh, listen to it. It's also in the list of the podcast. Alex, thank you very much. We're going to put all the show notes into, um, into the blog at, on Cherry Deck and also um, on the description here in the podcast thank you for for tuning in and and have a great day thank you for having me have a great day too